0: Welcome to this class and conversation on the work of the Holy Spirit. In this Sunday's class, which was originally held on August 2nd of 2020, we have a little bit of teaching and a lot of conversation about what the Holy Spirit is doing in this world, how we can recognize it, and uh, what to look for. Thanks for joining in and I hope you enjoy. I hear birds singing, Ken.
1: Yes, yes, it's a nice sound.
0: (laughs) Long before I saw you, I heard.
1: I'd much listen to the birds than myself singing.
0: Well, I know, you're not a singer, are you? I am not. Even in the car? Even in the car?
1: In the car by myself? I will do this. Around other people, I will not.
0: With the windows up.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was, I was criticized before, and that has kept me from wanting to express myself in a, in a
0: song. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. I uh, I'm not going to win any awards for my singing, but I do like singing. <clears throat>
1: I enjoy music. That's that's my contribution. Somebody has to enjoy it if somebody's going to do it.
0: There you go. That's right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lynn. Hey, Ken. Good you morning. All those... Good morning. Ken, do
1: you keep all those ferns watered? Yes, I do. Well, it's <laughs> a shared
0: duty. I figured,
1: Lynn.
0: <laughs> Hello, Rebecca. Two Rebeccas. Good hey, morning.
1: Hello, yep. Rebecca
0: Kipman and Rebecca Fleck. Yep. Good morning, morning Rebecca. Uh-oh, morning. Lynn, I just let Ken in. I'm sorry.
2: We've talked about this over
0: <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> you've, made your, you've made your thoughts clear, yes. Um, but I haven't sat behind today. Did you notice? I did. I noticed. This was very big of you. Mm-hmm. Brave. <laughs> Lynn says she was the bigger person today, Ken, because she sat near you. Well. Oh, there he is.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I'm thinking about
3: that a little bit.
0: For your ongoing feud.
3: Yes, decades. It's hard to stay, it's very hard to stay one up on her.
0: (laughs) That's true, that's true. Isn't this a gorgeous morning we've gotten this morning? August 2nd, Arkansas.
2: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Amazing. I'll take it.
2: The whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know it. I know it. I always like seeing into your places. So let's see, Rebecca Shipman has a fan going. Rebecca by far has the best uh, ceiling lines. She has like a vaulted ceiling in the room that she sits in. Is that your living room, Rebecca? No, it's actually the back part of my kitchen. Oh, it's the back of your kitchen, okay. Yeah, yeah, it looks it's out amazing. on the back backyard. Exactly. Well, wait. Ken Wallace is trying to be impressive because he's just showing, like the cat, the galaxy and our planet yeah. huh? That's uh, the back I'm, of his kitchen.
3: I'm broadcasting from my satellite.
0: <laughs>
3: oh. You're on the space
0: station. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figure
3: if I if I get on the space station, does that make me closer to God?
0: I don't know. Do you- well. Uh, That's a deep question, Ken, I don't know, where, what is the status of your heart at the time? You know, that'll decide if you're closer to God or not, right? The status of your heart. Well, it's, it's good to see everybody in whatever situation we get to see everybody. There's Greg Van. Hello, Greg. Welcome. morning you know you're watching too much news by the way when you've started you know different reporters living rooms like what they look like You're oh. like, oh look it's old sam smith yeah <laughs> and you know it even before you like anyway you know by their background that's when it's time to turn off the news uh. <laughs> if you didn't get signals before that which you probably yeah. did emotionally <laughs> you're saying go back to radio Yeah, radio wouldn't be so bad, would it? But I find again, I find some of their backgrounds pretty fascinating. For the first time the other day I saw one. She uh she was clear, but she had blurred her background. Have you seen that? That was new to me. Mm -hmm. So you could see she was in her house, but she'd made it so you weren't just reading all of her, you know, notes on the wall. That was the first time I'd seen the blur. So Mm. new technique. I, you know, watching a lot of news. <laughs> well, it is so good to see you. We've got a couple more who are joining in. Um, so I'll start us off with a prayer here as I let them in. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Shane. He can't hear us yet. It's all right. We could say whatever we wanted about Shane until he hears us. Hello, <laughs> Shane.
3: Everything has already been said about me.
0: (laughs) You heard that. Okay. (laughs) Welcome and welcome, Anne. Good to have you guys here today. So I'll start us off with a prayer and we will, uh, it'll be an interesting one. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your presence in our lives and we're grateful for your presence in this world. We're grateful for your work in this world where we see renewal and restoration and strengthening. And we pray that on this day and in the coming days, you would open our eyes to see it more and more all around us, not only in our own lives, but in the working of your creation. I thank you for this time together and for the gift uh, we are for each other. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Oh, some more coming. You know, we have to have Ann Smith because Ann Smith, we'll see if she joins us. She is my resident uh, get on my back about the Holy Spirit person. Um, because we had a class on the Holy Spirit several years ago. And ever since then, she said, Tasha, we aren't doing enough on the Holy Spirit. We should be praying to the Holy Spirit. We should, and she's right about all of this, by the way. Uh, we should, we shouldn't just leave out the Holy Spirit. So if Ann joins us, she can yell at all of us for that, you know, because Ann Smith is known for yelling so much. That's um, like the kindest person on the planet. But we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And, um, you know, to be very, uh, succinct at the beginning it is the third person we say person of the trinity uh, even though they're not people um but often the accusation is made to the western church in particular and by western i don't mean coloradoans i mean um europe west is the western church and greece sort of greece and turkey greece gets stuck in there greece turkey and russia are the eastern church um and the accusation is made about the Western church is that we say we're Trinitarian and we believe in the Trinity, but we really just believe in a Trinity. We really just believe in the father and the son uh, is the accusation that's made because we so little um, speak of the Holy spirit, pray to the Holy spirit, uh, look to the Holy spirit. So they say you do that so little that you can say you believe whatever you believe, but in your Christian practice, I um, will tell you right now, you believe in a divinity not a trinity. Um, and they, they've they got something on us on that. Uh, but what I wanna start with, um, and we can talk about it here in a minute, is really, I think for so many of us, especially the more straight-laced among us, uh, we can think, we think spirit, and we start to get really nervous, because, I mean, Phil read a passage today, and if you watch Church at 11, you'll see, he read a passage today about a guy handling a snake, in a snake handling worship service, right, and so for many of us, if you hear Holy Spirit, what you hear is charismatic, what you hear is, that means an ecstatic experience, that's what we call that, an ecstatic experience, and that I'm expected to speak in tongues or handle a snake or God forbid, stand up and clap, you know, or sway with the music, Like, and we get very nervous. The Holy Spirit starts to sort of equal um, some sort of style of worship or some sort of demanded experience, right? But if we go back to the very basics, the Holy Spirit simply means that the Bible is not um, a book of, of writings. And it means that Jesus is not simply a historical figure. It means that everything we read about Jesus in the Gospels is not in the past tense only. It makes that present to us now. It makes Jesus not just someone I could learn from, but someone who could be present with me now. The Holy Spirit is one that enables when we have communion, communion's not just a memory of a time when Jesus met with his disciples, you know? And so we have the bread and we have the juice and we say, that's a good memory, right? Well, it is a good memory, but we also believe there is this dragging of the past into the present and that is present with us. Um, and that dragging... Of a past event and making it real now that's the spirit so that this religion this faith is not just some sort of past tense book we've even learned from oh, i thought it was my phone sorry but so that's that's the very basic of the holy spirit what we learn in god the father is that god is over us created us what we learn in jesus christ the son is that god is for us comes for us, to save us, but what we learn in the spirit is that God is working in us and working in the world now. It's present tense. So take the snake handling out of it, take the speaking in tongues out of it and even the ecstatic experience, although people have those, uh, they will speak of them the rest of their lives, you know, and reference them, um, that they changed their lives. But it really is about that taking past tense and making it present. So, does anybody have any response to that or thoughts about that? That simple idea? Or has anyone had kind of that, that I'm referencing, that sort of, I don't know, I don't really wanna, I, we're, I'm not real into the spirit, you know, because it might mean this and this. Has anyone had that feeling?
1: It's kind of reassuring the idea present.
0: Yeah. Like, how do you know, how let's look at it this way. We give, okay, I'm going to be really crass here. And sadly, this is recording. I was just about to say no one ever share this ever, but maybe we put a lot of the work that is happening in our lives. I think we feel safer tucking it under the heading of the sun. And so we give Jesus a lot of credit. I don't mean this how it's going to come out, everybody. But we give Jesus a lot of credit for actually what the Spirit is doing. Jesus, uh, Jesus was born, lived, and died, raised, and ascended from this planet, from this <laughs> earth. And now we are told he, he is with the Father he is, he prays for us. I mean, the things we know he's doing now, he prays for us. Um, he seeks to save us. Um, that's all important. I'm not saying that's not important, but some of that ongoing, you know, like if you go to worship and, you, and something just really smacks you upside the head um, that day. And it's not like your neighbor saying, quit sleeping. Uh, you know, something really hits you. And you, and you understand God's word in a whole new way or, or a song just really you know, deepens your faith in a way you didn't know it could in that moment, that's the spirit. I mean, anything present day is the spirit. Even when we say, and when people say, or we have said, it, Jesus was right there with me. Jesus was right there with me. I, he was right with me. That's true. But how did you feel it? How did you know? That's the spirit working in your life. And, and, and I am just as guilty as anyone else of this, of we just don't use that language very often. But restoring, renewing, sustaining us, that's all the spirit. That's all the spirit's work. And we get a little twitchy uh, because we're like, well, we're not Pentecostals. I am not a Pentecostal, you know, and we get twitchy about that. But we don't want to ignore the work that the spirit is doing because the work that the spirit is doing helps us break down some barriers. Um, it, it, it's very much uh, clear when you look at different religious uh, streams of Christianity, the streams of Christianity, the ones that put the spirit um, right there with the father and the son put it central, they usually, this is an interesting finding, they usually are not very hierarchical in their institutions. They're usually not very bureaucratic uh, in their institutions. Um, And there's an interesting conversation about that because um, as someone who went to 4 years of college and then 4 years of a master's degree to be able to be a reverend I can poo poo right if someone stands up in a congregation and says the spirit has come upon me and now I am your pastor you know which actually happens in congregations or or it says and now you know the spirit has brought has has come upon me and I now should be one of your leaders right and you should call me pastor and someone you know of my bent and probably your bent goes, first of all. Yeah, you know, we poo-poo it and then we might be a little frightened of it because we do know that that can be abused, that can be used and abused. But if we uh, banish it completely, then what you do have left is sort of these hierarchies Mm -hmm. and bureaucracies uh, to churn um, everything through and you know the argument can be made in church sessions and church committees that it's like even if the spirit was at work in the beginning of this we have done a great job of stomping any (laughs) any spirit work out of it as we could by you know chewing it in eight stomachs uh like a cattle or something so there is um we often uh get uncomfortable with communities like that and in fact we have a history uh, Western Christianity has a history of stomping on movements like that. Uh, if you ever have a, some time, you can look up the Montanists and how we treated them, and the Waldensians uh, in Italy, how we treated them, and of course the Pentecostals. But we get very nervous, and yet uh, it's the Spirit that is working at forming our relationship with God and reforming our relationship with God every day. And deepening our faith and it's the spirit that takes that reality of our justification in G- with Jesus the reality of our of our lives made right and it helps us work out what's that mean for your life like okay fine but the work's not done what's the transformation of the mind and heart and and hands uh that comes out of that uh That's spirit work of walking with us. So um, there's everything to be scared of with the spirit, very honestly, or or, uh, not scared of. uh, There's everything to be humbled by in terms of the power of it and um, its work. But there's nothing to be twitchy about um, with it. That being said, I was talking with a woman this week who's having real trouble. Um, She was raised Pentecostal and raised in in a horrible situation, separate from being Pentecostal, by the way. And uh, she said it has only now occurred to her, she's in her 40s, it's only hit her that not only did her family traumatize her over and over again with the way they treated her, but they used they used God to traumatize her too. Like that's finally hit her. Um, and, and a lot of spirit talk was used to traumatize her. Uh, she said she, she still to this day remembers she was a little girl in worship and her mother was holding her in her lap and whispering to her, you have to speak in tongues right now. You have to speak in tongues right now. You know, this worship service will not be over until you speak in tongues right now. You know, it's the only faithful. So that is not Pentecostalism writ large at all. I'm not arguing that at all. But we do know that sometimes when something is as free as the Holy Spirit is, free in its movement, we do have to, um, we do have to be careful uh, to see if that movement aligns with the abundant life God gives us. You know, it, does this match the abundant life God's promised um, or does it not? You want me to say a little something about speaking in tongues? Sure. I, uh, so this often comes up in sort of spirit-based um, belief systems. And Paul does speak of speaking in tongues and, and lists it as one of the spiritual gifts, uh, along with preaching and teaching and healing. And, um, and, but what Paul says actually is very interesting if you ever want to find it, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, he says it really is the least of the spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues. He says, actually, the greater gift is not the speaking in tongues, but the translating. The translation is a, a, because one person speaks and then another in the congregation has to translate what they're saying. And he says, you know, really of the two, um, the translation is the greater spiritual gift. But even with that, um, he doesn't believe that that is at all required in worship, nor is it the greatest gift the spirit can give us in worship. Uh, I mean, the gifts of faith, hope, and love are far greater gifts uh, to be given to any believer. Um, But the speaking in tongues is a hallmark uh, of some of these spiritual movements um, that really lean on the Holy Spirit. So there is is something to them. Um, It doesn't often happen in a Presbyterian service.
1: So can you have multiple translators in a congregation, and do they get into disagreements about what this person actually said?
0: Good question. I don't know. Anybody have history with that? To have memory of that? I do know there tend to be, well, I think this is true. I think there tend to be speakers and translators loosely, you know, in any given moment that might not fit. Um, But I do think People do tend to have one gift or the other. Uh, now, if they, I don't know, if they would have multiple. I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. That would be a very interesting. Uh,
3: What's the point in speaking with tongues? I mean, you know. It is I'm,
0: that you have gone beyond the logic. You've gone beyond your own rational. It's not you speaking. It's the spirit speaking. So, uh, and it comes from, um I mean, we, we have instances of it throughout the Bible, but the most obvious one, which is interesting, actually, is the, the disciples at Pentecost, uh, when the tongues of flame uh, are on their heads, and the wind is blowing, and they all run out into the street, and they're all speaking in tongues, um, but what's the end of that story? Do you remember? They're not speaking in a language no one knows. They're speaking in a language people know. Uh, but they're all speaking different ones. So for example, one person is speaking French, one is speaking Russian, one is speaking Spanish, one is speaking English, American. And uh, <laughs> one is saying, I'm fixing to speak in tongues. You know, so they're speaking in American. Anyway, uh, one is speaking in uh, you know Italian. Anyway, so what's very interesting about that case at Pentecost is, They're all amazed and the crowd is amazed that they're speaking in tongues, but the crowd is amazed because they understand what they're saying. They're like, oh my gosh, because remember they're all visiting for the big holy days. So people are visiting from all those areas, from all those countries. It wasn't Spanish, by the way. But anyway, the languages they spoke at the time, they're all visiting from those regions. And so they see these men and they're like, wait, did he just speak in Bulgarian? How does he know my home language? So in that case, speaking in tongues meant they literally were speaking in another verified language of the day. Um, but speaking in tongues now is typically, um, it's in a language we don't understand, Ron. So part of the, uh, I think the power behind it and the purpose behind it is you have gone beyond yourself. Um, you, it is no longer you who speaks. It is the spirit speaking through you. And so that's why, um, but you can imagine that's why translation really matters. Asha? Yes, John.
2: uh, I've been in uh, Pentecostal services with friends and led them some and what have you. And all I've noticed is that speaking in tongues is just a form of prayer. That's right. There can be a version of it. It's time of group and uh, assembly prayer, I've never heard interpretations. Really? No, it's, uh, I I guess interpretations is not really part of their prayer. Uh, So that in in practical purposes in in Pentecostal service, you'll, you'll feel it just as an intense prayer time, group prayer time.
0: And is the prayer in English? or whatever the language is, or is the prayer almost like a muttering end up? Uh, end up.
2: Muttering, murmuring.
0: Yes. Um, you know, just. Is it scheduled? In it. In the, in the service? <laughs> is it scheduled? I really? love that Presbyterian question. <laughs> is it scheduled? Because.
2: Oh, when to, uh, <clears throat> they know when to feel it and when to go into it.
0: It moves, it, it moves in yeah. and out.
2: Yes, it does. It's, this is a time where you would expect this to kind of an occur. It's it's almost as if being in a typical African American service, uh-huh. you mm-hmm. know,
0: where,
2: where you could tell when they're going to kind of uh, become more actively engaged in, in the in the service. There's
0: a musicality to it mm-hmm. almost.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm.
0: a rising and a falling. Yeah. Yes, there is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. And and you can't uh, you can't say it's Put on. No. You know, it probably is to a degree, but it, it just, it's just, it's a moving sort of a spiritual prayer time
3: group. Is there always supposed to be somebody there to interpret? I mean, in a congregation? Otherwise, again.
2: That, that's, uh, that's what Sasha was speaking about in First Corinthians, that there's supposed to be interpretation. But in practice in the churches I've been in, nobody knows whether there's somebody there that can interpret it or not, because that's not part of it.
0: Well, and if it's a person's prayer, uh, maybe it's none of your darn business. Right.
2: Between them and God.
0: Yeah. That's right. This right. direct communication. Mm -hmm. Well, and we have had members, I will tell you, we've had members uh, of our own church, even us, who tell amazing stories about? They'll be praying. I know one. Um, I don't know if I can, but anyway, uh, was praying in the night actually for another member, and just um, it was an it was a an ecstatic experience or a um, it was a uh, it was that kind of praying experience um, where it took her over. And uh, she prayed for sort of, hours sort of. that way that night, and was not her normal pattern.
2: It's the sort of thing that I would be kind of frightened to
0: criticize. No, we shouldn't. No, no, exactly. And we could use a little more of it. Um, <laughs> and we could. There's a reason we get the nickname "Frozen <laughs> Chosen," and a lot of us like to push back on that. But th- it's a nickname because of something. Uh, The stereotype is there for some reason. Um, But there is this this situation of like, you know, think about somebody at church even, or somebody in in a past church, uh, if this is too pointed for this church, but um, who you have almost nothing in common with. And maybe if you even met them at work, right, you'd find a way to stand them, but that would be it. And somehow over time and through the work of the spirit, this person you have nothing or very little in common with, you wouldn't even like if you were on the street, somehow you love them. You have fallen in love with them. Um, That's the work of the spirit, to build that community for folks who it's like, we don't necessarily even obviously have much here (laughs) between us and we have a lot against us, but yet somehow, you're mine, and I'm yours, and it's become that way. That's the spirit. So it is working in every single church and outside church um, every single day. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how frozen you are. Uh, the spirit's in there doing what it can.
1: Doesn't the spirit move people in different ways? They don't have to have those, what,
0: you know. Exactly. Well, what do you think happens? They have
1: to Sure.
0: What, what happens if, uh, if you have held a grudge or a hatred? Let's just be blunt. It, it could be that there has been someone you have hated. Hated. It has been a stone in your heart for years. And people will tell of a moment where it's like they didn't do anything. It was just lifted. It was just lifted. It's like it was there before and it had been there for years and then it wasn't there. You know, that's very quiet, potentially, but not the power of it, not the impact of it on your life is not quiet. Um, So absolutely. I mean, in the, here's a sampling of things we see the Spirit doing in the Old Testament. This isn't the Father, this isn't the Son, this is the Spirit. Um, of course, the famously, the Spirit's at the very beginning of Scripture uh, of blo- breathing over the waters and blowing over, not the waters even, blowing over the chaos, uh, blowing a wind over the chaos uh, to help form creation, giving life to all creatures is what Psalm 104 says. It's the the Spirit's the breath that gives life to all creatures. It's the assurance, it's the it's the assurance that we've been forgiven of our sin. You know, it's the difference between someone saying, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Don't you get it? And sometimes you're like, I don't get it. You know, and then that one moment where someone says you're forgiven. Do you understand you are forgiven? And you go, I, I do. I, I get it. So it's that assurance that you've been forgiven. That's in Psalm 51. Um, it brings new life out of death. It gives courage to those who are down. It restores hope. It promises justice. Um, it's given to servants to empower them uh, in the work God gives them to do. That's just in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we have a very interesting relationship between the Son and the Spirit. The Son, Jesus, is a gift of the Spirit, we're told. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, we use that phrase without wondering what it means, but he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. His ministry is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're told in Luke four, um, but then, and then it kind of, they work together and then Jesus gives the spirit, sends the spirit, um, to, uh, to his disciples says, I promise I won't leave you orphaned. You're going to have the spirit as well. So the spirit uh, brings about jesus 's work in ministry and empowers it, but then jesus also uh sends the spirit to them. the church is formed by the spirit and sustained by the spirit and it's also said that the spirit in our lives and in the world is this sign like this it's like the it's like the half uh half the money down guarantee that god 's reign is coming it's like the promise and guarantee that says Uh, when you catch even a glimpse of it in that, whether it's a quiet moment, an ecstatic moment, uh, a very emotional moment, any way you cut it, it'll be emotional. Um, That is this like first fruits is the religious language we would have. The secular language would be like, it's half the payment down, you know, Uh, promising. um, It's uh, that God's reign may be on layaway, but but it is set aside. <laughs> it's coming, um, and it's promised. So the the Spirit uh, does all of those things, um, and often I think we put <clears throat> that under the Father or we put that under the Son, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that Father, Son, and Spirit are sitting around and and seeing who's racking up points you know i don't know if they have a scoreboard going oh you know another point in your column and it should have been in my column so i don't think that's a problem at all but it is um, a helpful enlarging and deepening of our faith um, to consider what is the work of the spirit that's going on in me um, that's going on in what I see and what I hope to see and then what would be the ways that I could open myself up more to it, to that work. So yes, yes, Greg.
1: A couple of weeks ago, there was a talk about thin places. Yes. How does that, that's fascinating to me, but, um, How does that relate, you think, to... Ooh, that's
0: interesting. Well, as a reminder, a thin place is considered a place where heaven and earth are pretty darn close to each other. There is something special about that space of creation. And it's not just because it's pretty necessarily. I mean, we, we say that about, or we can say this place is a thin place because it's pretty, but sort of the down and dirty definition is, it's not even about being pretty, it literally is about, there's a sense here. And so um, that would absolutely have everything to do with it, right? Like, this is a space in which the spirit feels really close. And and not only feels close to me, but has felt close to so many over the generations, like people return to this place. Um, Did you look them up, Greg?
1: no I didn't
0: because there's a few places on the planet that they actually uh there's a few places on the planet that that people return to over and over um, as a thin place we all kind of have our own personal ones but Mm -hmm. it is fascinating that I mean it's places where people make pilgrimages to you know and they return to year after year and season after season because something is happening there something Mm -hmm. is in that air um, um, is, is breathing in that air.
2: Right.
0: Exactly. And it's sometimes, sometimes we feel it in sacred places. Um, and sometimes we feel it in a place that wouldn't necessarily be considered sacred, uh, but there's something about it. Mm -hmm. Did somebody else have their hand up? before I look away?
3: I'm not sure I've formulated my thoughts yet, so I might as well give them a Good
0: luck, Ron. Let me know, because it's, as Phil said today in the sermon, it is, um, in many ways, to treat the spirit with honor is not to pin it down like butterfly wings or something. You know, it's not to tack it on the board. Um, But, there is always the question, and we've talked about this here before, uh, we say it with the presence of God, and and it it really, when we're saying that, we're talking about the presence of the Spirit, how do I know if this is the Holy Spirit or a pink elephant, you know, how do I know, uh, I think it was John Calvin, I can't remember if it was him, I'll, I'll blame him, he used to joke, well, I don't know if John Calvin ever joked, by the way, but he used to say, you know, you really need to decide, you need to discern if something's the spirit or indigestion. So, um, you know, how do we know something's the Holy Spirit in working in our life, guiding us to something? Say uh, It's a big decision, you know, especially, or a big change that we feel we're being led to. We really would love to know, is this the Holy Spirit or is this indigestion? Um, and some of the main Markers we have for our own discernment are what we've been talking about with the son as well with Jesus the son is the holy spirit is not just any old spirit out there the holy spirit is is God's holy spirit is the trinity holy spirit so the holy spirit does not ask you or demand of you um something that is does not meet up with what we know of Christ in the gospel, you know? The Holy Spirit isn't going to say, um, well, I just went really dark in my own head because I listened to too much tri- true crime, but like the Holy Spirit doesn't say, you're supposed to be a family annihilator, right? And, and kill everyone. I mean, ah, no, you know, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's indigestion and worse. Um, so we can ask, we can say, I need help in this discernment. Do I think this is the spirit working in my life and leading me in this way? Well, when we ask that, what is the kind of thing the Holy Spirit does? Well, we know from scriptures, it gives life. It assures us of our forgiveness. It gives courage. It restores hope. All those things, I ju- it promotes justice. All those things I mentioned. And it's like, If this movement in my life, this sort of fluttering in my heart, if it's doing that kind of thing, if it's leading there, wow, I want to lean into it. You know, I want, I want to follow where it's leading. Uh, if it's, uh, not, if it's leading to some sort of destruction, (laughs) that's not God's Holy spirit that that's some other something. Um, But we, we, we believe in father, son, and Holy spirit. And we've talked about in the Trinity week that they're in this dance together. Right. And I would also kind of put it in really crass language of they rub against each other. They cannot not be in alignment. They cannot, the spirit will blow where it will. That's true. Um, But it will blow where it will in this relationship, in this, in this. In this trinity. It's not going to go against, um, it's not going to go rogue and go, uh, I'm going to shatter the earth because I've gotten tired of it. You know, it's not allowed to go rogue. Um, uh, God has made some promises and and so the spirit doesn't get to go off and do its own thing and break those promises.
3: Maybe, (laughs) again, I haven't thought this all the way through by any stretch,
0: Go for it,
3: Ron. But uh, maybe uh, the Holy Spirit might be looked at as having a perfection to a degree. You know, because there's, you know, we've been talking about reconciliation, you know, between man and God mm-hmm. and so forth. And maybe it is a when you, when you feel the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's because, you know, that everything is kind of a lion for you in that particular moment, you know, where you, uh,
2: where,
3: getting emotional, where, uh, you know, like the song says, like uh, create it, you know, the scriptures say, you know, that create it, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Exactly. So, you know, like that guy you were talking about that you might have had a problem with or something in the past. You don't know him. You don't know anything about him. But when your heart is pure, you mm-hmm. see Maybe the Holy Spirit is completion.
0: That's right. The Holy Spirit is doing work. To even be able to say the first line of that prayer is the Holy Spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. To mean it at all, (laughs) for you to mean it at all in prayer is already the Holy Spirit. To have said,
1: Exactly. That's
0: my desire for my life. I didn't put that desire in me. Um, again, I hate to poo-poo us too much, but we are reformed. I mean, we're, we're, we're not much running around here. Um, we got, we've got problems. <laughs> we've got problems to our core. So it is not, uh, we don't believe, it's not out of my own goodness that I say, created me a clean heart, O oh Lord, because I am so humble at all times and aware of my need and my weaknesses. And I, I know there's a, just a couple of little corners that could use some sweeping, right? No, that's not my own goodness, offering that prayer. That is actually the Holy Spirit in my life that leads me to actually be humble <coughs> enough for a moment and desiring enough for a moment to say where you forget, a clean heart. Where
3: you forget all else that is not of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you, exactly. you accept that person or persons or people around you, you know, because <laughs> like a new like a new person, like a new spirit. Exactly. Know, it's like you're free to a degree.
0: Yeah. You freed them and they may not even know it, and you definitely freed yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they don't even need to know it, necessarily.
3: And you you don't harbor these kind of thoughts.
0: Exactly.
3: Maybe that's the Holy Spirit cleansing
0: us. Exactly. The Holy Spirit is all about binding us together as community. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. You know, we aren't one, again, out of our own ability to be one. I don't, I don't think it takes much. I told you I've been watching too much news, right? Because I've memorized the reporters living room backgrounds, but, um, it doesn't take watching the news too much to know that we are not in our natural abilities. Good at being one. (laughs) (laughs) We don't bring that really as a gift, uh, in our own humanity, bless our hearts. Uh, but, somehow in the work of the spirit, we get there every now and then, you know, every now and then a community is built every now and then against all odds that would be on the surface of it, on the face of it, against all odds, bonds are formed. Um, And that is not something that is over and done with in, in the past tense. That is a living, breathing spirit working now. Exactly. Um, I wanna say a little something um, before we run out of time today, because uh, we've talked about this before in Sunday school classes, but we've all slept since then. So um, this kind of relates to, uh, I, I hate to, I can't, can't believe I keep quoting John Calvin. Um, he makes me fall asleep, but, Um, John Calvin talks about the benefits of Christian faith. That's the way he puts it, the benefits of Christian faith and, uh, how he frames it is we are saved from, and we're saved for. And so often in faith talk, what we talk about, what we're saved from. And so we'll say, well, I'm saved from hell. I am saved. I am, I am saved from hell you know, and I am saved from damnation. And uh, anyway, we talk about this future tense thing, first of all, and what we are saved from. And uh, as a professor of mine used to love to say, she would say, if your faith is nothing but fire insurance, we need to talk. Uh, our faith is way more than fire insurance. Um, our faith uh, saves us for so many things we are saved for something now and calvin calls that for stuff the benefits of christian faith and so the benefits look like what the spirit does in our lives so i talked about this a little bit i don't know some other time about how when constantine um he on his deathbed decided to be baptized right so he's gonna die in like a day and the day before he dies he says okay, baptize me, and then he says, see, I'm a Christian. Peace out. Drop the mic. I'm sure he said all those things, and he dies, and people want to say, well, okay, so was he saved? You know, did, it, did he get to go to heaven, even though he did anything he wanted all his life long? He surely did, uh, but then at the 11th hour, he, you know, gets baptized. He gets saved, so is he saved, well we could argue that all day long and I have no idea he didn't tell me. But what we do know is he missed out on all of the four. He missed out on all of the Christian benefits of faith now, which is that work of the spirit, which is that we deepen in our knowledge of God's word and we and we get comfort and joy and peace today. Um because of what God's word is to us in scripture. It's a deepening of prayer life where we um, feel God speaking and moving in our lives and present with us in our prayers. We, as Ron said, we get to give over some things and be free of them and not be shackled by them our whole lives. That's here and now. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We get freed from being afraid all the time which some of us still struggle with that. Um, But we have these scriptures and we have the spirit working in the scriptures that say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, in our ongoing Christian life, we get to learn how to live in that. We get to learn more and more. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be afraid. And it's not because I'm so great. Again, I'm not going to be afraid because you've promised me I don't need to be. Um, and, I'm, and I'm really going to work on that, Lord, right? We get uh, the benefit right now of learning to love our neighbor. And as Ron has so aptly pointed out to us, I mean, that's as much about the benefits and the freedom we get from it as it is from the love we give to the neighbor. So we get all of this right now in our salvation. We don't wait for it until we cross over. There's all of these benefits of our faith now. And I wanted to bring that up in this lesson because that's all the Spirit. That's all the Spirit. Um, and not that, not that um, folks who are not seeking to be Christian, not that folks who are not living a life of faith don't ever interact with the Spirit. They totally do. Um, But, uh, but there's not the language to hang it on. There's not the, there's not the community um, to ask about it and, and to say, gosh, I think something's happening in my life right now. Um, and there's not the community. There's not the vocabulary to help you work through it. And there's not sort of the presence um, that, uh, that can be given when you're in a Christian community, when you're in... Uh, A Christian faith. So I wanted to bring that up because we talk all about sort of the justification piece like I have been made right by God, you know, yes, fantastic, incredibly important. But there's this other piece, uh, which it has a very self important name, so don't be scared, but there's this sanctification. There's justification being made right, but there's this sanctification that we get the opportunity to get on that roller coaster ride and strap in, you know, and we get to ride that our whole lives, that sanctification piece of what does it look like if you keep working on me, God? What's it look like if we're going to keep this project going together? And, and in that project, you're going to shape my life and reshape my life. And that's what gets to go on um, day after day for us. And we can give credit to Jesus if we'd like. But it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's right. It's right. It's right. <laughs> I knew Anne would come on. I told them, <laughs> Anne, I said, Anne has to join us so she can yell at all of us about the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> Oh, it's funny. <laughs> what What thoughts do you have? What responses? what pushback?
2: They're all in one.
0: they're three in one. yes. they're They're the new math, one in three and three in one. That's right. <laughs> and I'm a statistician.Laughter well, what do you think about that idea of, have you ever heard that before of this idea that um, you're saved from um, by God, but you're also saved for? Uh, you're saved for all of these incredible things now. And how often do you hear that language being used versus the saved from language? I have the feeling. Go ahead. Go ahead, Anne, and then John. Okay. I have the feeling that it's the way we look at the world uh, through knowing that God is working in the world. And we often forget that when we look at, around us our every day when we get up. Maybe we pray when we get up, but then we forget. But we can look every moment and see how God is working in this world. We forget to do that. John, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, I was going to say that both aspects that you talked about are very important. I don't think we can minimize the blessing of eternal hope. You know that uh, it's wonderful to know that our future eternity is secure. Uh, at the same time, eternal life started when we were saved for us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All of us who are saved were infilled with the Holy Spirit at the time it occurred. Mm-hmm. And so we have eternal life now. Mm-hmm. And so both of them are very important. Mm-hmm. It, w- it would be shameful to not enjoy the good part of eternal life right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, can I read your question or your chat, Margot? I find myself resistant to the saved from language these days. I have to remember to be grateful for it as part of the picture too. Margo, you live in the Bible Belt, okay? So I'd like to say welcome. Margo grew up in (laughs) Portland. (laughs) Welcome to the Bible Belt, Margo. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of saved from language around us. It is all around us. And John's right, it's incredibly important. Um, Um. but it can get. It, I, I do think it's helpful um, to talk the fuller breadth of of what's happening and what's going on in our lives um, with that. And I'm just so impressed that some someone used the chat feature. Hmm. The millennial used the chat feature. Excellent. Good job. Uh, and you know something, Anne said that maybe I'll uh, we we'll wrap it up with this, but when she talked about, um, it's like how you see the world. And again, I can't believe I didn't mean to quote John Calvin all this time, but, um, he talked about how our faith is like the eyeglasses for, um, or the scriptures are the eyeglasses for faith, the spectacles of faith, he said. So like we read the scripture and that's what kind of helps us see what to look for. Right. So it gives us the, uh, it gives us our prescription uh, for what helps us actually see what's actually happening at any given time. And I think that's, that's exactly what Anne's getting to like um, the spirit can work in your life, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, the spirit will work, you know, it is blowing uh, where it is needed and where it will. Uh, But when we're given, um, the scriptures, when we are given the community of faith, when we are given, um, the teachings and the great songs of the faith, you know, all of that gives us this, gives us these goggles, you know, that then help us to see what's going on, um, and to see, um, a vision of what God's doing and what God's going to do the now and the not yet, you know, some of it's happening now and some of it is not yet. Um, but we get, to, we get the opportunity to wear those glasses. We get that opportunity, uh, which is a great benefit. And they don't fog up um, when you wear a mask, they don't. They help you see clearer and clearer, not foggier and foggier like regular glasses. <laughs> anyway, any other final comments or Maybe. Provocations. <clears throat> Jackie's there with the planet behind her. Wait, let me ask Jackie. She has her hand up. Yes, Jackie? Oh, wait, you're muted. Unmute yourself. It's okay. The lower left hand. Yeah. There you go.
2: Okay. Talking of the Holy Spirit, a bit, I think we need to keep in mind to be aware and to look for all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit because they are real and they're around us all the time, like Anne was saying, whether it's, according to this verse, whether it's wisdom or a message or knowledge um, or faith. Mm-hmm. these are all manifestations of the holy spirit and um i think if we look for those exactly comes a more real experience you know exactly. sometimes if you know what you're looking for it's easier to find
0: exactly i mean i have a 12 and 14 year old at home as you well know and so usually it's as if zombies have eaten their brains and you know like when they were little children they had such interesting questions i think little kids do you know and right now you'll say what are you thinking and i mean you don't want to know the answer cuz it's zombie brain you know <laughs> i'm thinking fortnite is fun grunt you know and where's dinner uh but every now and then you know and and this happens in all of our worlds no matter our age but it's just surprising to hear it from a teenager but um every now and then you know you You'll say, hey, so what's going on with you? And some like amazing thing comes out and you think, well, that's not you. <laughs> like, I'm well aware that's not you. I love you very much, but I know what you is. You know, that that's the Holy Spirit. You know, when there's this sort of moment of wisdom, as Jackie just said, or this moment of uh, clarity um, or a moment of... Um, a moment of gentleness when usually gentleness is on short supply. Yeah, I would, that is the spirit working in your life. Ron.
1: uh
3: I have a question. Sure. <clears throat> I'd just like a little clarification. Maybe, maybe I should already know this. I don't know. No. But, um, what does it mean, God in three persons?
0: Well... Let's blame that on the thought leaders and faith leaders of the 300s. They could not figure out how to speak of God. They knew that they believed in one God. We are monotheists, so like one God. But yet we knew that Jesus was human and divine, you know? So they're wrestling with that and they don't know what language to put on it. Oh. So they actually use the word. Uzius, oozius our medical professionals probably know the greek but and it's person they they didn't know what language to give it they didn't think they didn't want to say it was three spirits because jesus is not simply spirit you know he's not floating above the earth although in john's gospel he kind of seems like he is um but Bless you. I like the use of the chat here, Margo. Uh, Roy, Margo, blessed you uh, for your sneeze. Um, But uh, I have hoped it was for me, but it's not. Um, So they finally landed on person, and it doesn't get to it either. But that's where we kind of get that language of one and three and three and one, uh, one and three persons, blessed Trinity. Right? That's a hymn. Uh, it's our very imperfect, grasping human way of trying to say they are distinct, but together. So what's the distinction? The distinction is I can see some edges. There's, I can make out <laughs> a silhouette for each. They are not just one blob. They have different functions. That's a very nebulous and messed up answer to your question, Ron. But basically we're just struggling with yes God is one but isn't there a distinct three as well and that distinction what in the world do we call it they decided to call it persons which has all its own set of problems Ron which we could all name right now because it that sounds a heck of a lot like three then (laughs) you know it sounds like you lose the one if they're persons. But anyway, that's, we're gonna blame that on the Council of Nicaea in the 300s. That's none of our fault today. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you can breathe easy that that's none of our fault today. So anyway, um, it is 11 o'clock. I've kept you too long. There is actually very, very sad news. There's no Sunday school next week. I know you're very sad. Uh Aww. we will be uh in a cabin next Sunday at 10. But uh we will be back you can, next week. The next you week. can video you can video from a cabin. <laughs> there is there an outside outdoor service next Sunday? There is outdoor service, yes. Okay. Stephen uh Stephen Martin is preaching. Okay. Which I didn't want to say today at outdoor service because we know that people use it as an excuse to <laughs> not come. So go worship together, support Stephen. There will be 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. worship online. There will be the outdoor service. There will be everything but Sunday school, okay? So, but I will, we'll send you a reminder for the week after that, and we're going to talk about the faith community next time. We're going to talk about all, all y'all, all us next time, okay? Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Jackie continues on the world. Jackie's Bye-bye. on top of the world. Here I am. I hope you enjoyed this conversation on the work of the Holy Spirit and that it uh, deepens your faith and your perspective as you look out into the world to see what it is doing. Go in peace.